What is up, everybody? You are listening to Suds Buds Presents Pints and Pixar, the show where we chat about the films of our childhood and your childhood over an adult beverage. I'm your host, not Jimmy Fallon. Uh, with me, as always, is uh, yeah Nate. He's here, too, I guess. Um, yeah, we got a big show today. Uh, top of the show, Nate is going to drink a pint of room temperature Rumplemans and ride a mechanical bull. <laughs> It's going to be pretty cool. Let's hope he doesn't get hurt because we'll need him for uh, the final segment of the night. Uh, yeah, after that, Tom Arnold is going to join us in studio and talk about his most recent visit to rehab. I think I read that correct. <laughs> uh, and then we'll round things out with a bare knuckle boxing match between Nate and myself, the video portion of the podcast. So uh, stay tuned. All that and more. Oh, musical guest Kings of Leon is going to be here. So yeah, cheers or whatever. <laughs> And now we coast. That was the bit you wanted to commit to right there? I'm on chain, dude. It's like the 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 Van Halen song. The which one? On chain and I hit the ground uh, running on chain. Something like that. Nothing feels the same. On chain. I don't know what it is about Van Halen, but like every time one of those songs comes on like at, at work. It's like, okay, yeah, we're we're kicking into gear, You're ready to go, exactly. Man. Like just, just amped up every time. You just picture whatever you're doing in that moment as part of like a really cool montage. Yep. Like everything, you're just like ringing up. You're closing out a customer, but in your mind, it's like, this is life or death right now. <laughs> Van Halen's playing. Like, I look so fucking cool right now. This is gonna make or break me right here, right now. <laughs> This is my shot. I need to find a Firebird ASAP. <laughs> we should get matching Firebirds. Dude, that'd be so cool. I, I feel like we could get Firebirds that are like the opposite of our personalities. Like I would get a black Firebird and you would get a white Firebird. Not like a racial thing, but I mean like <laughs> a yin and yang. Like even as we sit here right now, you're dressed like a kid, like a hardcore kid about yeah, to go to like a a hardcore show. Yeah, yeah, you're about to go see like Minor Threat or something, and Take I that. look like a like a douchebag from the Bronx or something, that, uh, wearing a white t-shirt and and black shorts and a black Adidas hat. It looks like you woke up smoking a joint or smoke, and then looks like you woke up and relit the roach you fell asleep smoking last night. Oh, <laughs> didn't realize it looked that bad today. <laughs> Either way, I, I think the people get the gist of what we're saying. We 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 are the antithesis to each other. Yes. Whichever one of us is Superman, <coughs> me. Uh, the other one is obviously Bizarro Superman. I'll be Bizarro Superman. Cool. I get that dude smashes so much shit. He he like he's Superman, but he like gets to do the fun things. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, so. now you're Bizarro Superman with the white Firebird. That's. <laughs> I'm just picturing Bizarro Superman driving away. Oh, that'd be rough. Be pretty rough. Yeah, but you know, I uh, I can commit to this bit. Yeah. Well, speaking of bits, we've been goofing a little bit. We've been goofing, but we got some work to do. Uh, we do but have be- some work. before we dive into that work, uh, how you been, dude? Been good. Uh, been busy, but uh, holding it down at the brewery. Holding it down at the brewery because uh, Eric went on a little a hiatus of sorts. Yeah. Um, went on holiday. Yeah, exactly. Big uh, big man in the big city. You yeah, know. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, baby's day out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell everybody where you went, pal? 
I took a little vacay to Oregon, and it was pretty cool. It was pretty beautiful. Um, spent a little bit of time in Portland on the front end and back end of the trip, but spent the majority of the trip on the coast. So kind of uh, Tillamook area up to like Manzanita, and it was beautiful. Did some hiking, hit a couple breweries, spent some time on the beach, ate some good food, um, yeah, a couple other little things like some antique shops, and went to a place that just had a bunch of old pinball machines that the guy like rebuilt and restored and had little placards with fun facts about all the pinball machines like you could play the pinball machines or yeah like, okay. yeah it was like when you you led from like antique store to pinball machines i was like it was like a cool little like anyone who's been to manzanita it's a it's a cool little town that's like halfway between like the forest and the beaches you kind of if like that's a good place for if you're chilling there for the day and you want hiking in the woods or you want to go like try your luck at surfing you know you got quick access to both those things um but in the meantime when you're in that town you got some good food uh you got some little antique shops you got a record store which was closed unfortunately when we were there i think there might be a tattoo shop um and yeah little pinball place that was did you and samantha get matching tattoos we didn't we didn't did you try i brought it up i think every day not matching tattoos i don't think i would get a matching tattoo with anyone in my life hurtful but that's fine okay yeah 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 but 100 percent down to get tattoos with people um and yeah brought it up every day i'm like let's go get some tattoos and she's like ah, you can no that's not, not the, the answer i want exactly that's not the point it's not the point exactly what she's just gonna sit there and watch you get a tattoo with her arms crossed and probably judge me oh, oh certainly going to be judging you <laughs> i can picture her face she's like You know, it's saying all like the the cliche things. You know, you're gonna have that for life now. <laughs> you know, your mom's gonna see that. Like, you're gonna have to cover that up for interviews. <sighs> Nobody's gonna take you seriously with that on. <laughs> I know Samantha. She's listening right now and probably not very happy, but <laughs> can't say it's not true. I love you, Samantha. Aww. But just being honest. He's blushing over there. Ah, uh, it's hot in He's here. He's flush. Let's see. What else did we do? Um, yeah, just had an all-around good time, man. Nice. Had Look, a good time. Looks like he brought some treats back. I did bring a treat back. Uh, I brought numerous treats back. We'll probably be drinking a few on the show, but the first one we're going to crack open is the one I'm most excited to have you try. Um, this comes to us from DeGard Brewing, which is in... Tillamook. I'll be perfectly honest, Tillamook is not, it was not my favorite of the kind of near coastal cities that we went to. Okay. But it was very cool. Um, best way for me to describe it is kind of like, a, this is a horrible comparison, but like a much smaller Fargo on the coast, kind of. Like their big industry there is Tillamook Dairy. Okay. So like they have a cheese factory. Mm-hmm. not even factory just like a cheese tap room style place that is like the size of surly what yeah and it's just filled with cheese like you go there and you get ice cream you get slices of cheese you can buy merchandise shirts and cheese shaped things 
and it is literally the size of surly they have a full outdoor area with like bean bags and stuff but it's like kids everywhere Mm -hmm. and let me tell you that place was popping people were driving their campers in there and i mean and it's nice but it's like in my head i just like keep thinking there has to be something more to this than cheese and like no we're walking around and it's like and we said right when we walked in we're like all right we'll walk around but we don't want a tour like i love cheese but i don't sorry i don't need a tour of creamery on vacation not sure. not for me but uh yeah got some ice cream got some cheese um made some really good grilled cheese uh sandwiches mm-hmm. when we were at the airbnb and um yeah and it looks like i'm gonna have to go find a bottle opener because <laughs> oh, i didn't realize this had a cork underneath captain the... capped and cork capped and cork. a cap and cork <laughs> or uh the star trek hit character captain cork oh that was better that was better than mine you did a lot better there we'll be right back nate why don't you uh fill some time <sighs> sing for our beautiful listeners i'm gonna i've been working on my scat um while you've been gone exactly hey no spoilers oh man i'm super excited about this one um it was i'm gonna snag the bottle i'm gonna read it uh, a spontaneous wild ale aged in oak barrels for two years. Ooh, that's surprising. Only coming in at 3.9%. Super light. That is... That's, is this a crispy boy? It is... I don't want to give too much away, but... Okay. It's tart, and... Um, anyways, I got a bottle opener. All right. I'll try to multitask here while I'm doing this, but... Uh, so the little bit I know about Degard is... Um, they do a lot of wild fermented beers. That's not how wine wine bottle openers work. You put it all the way down. Nope. All the way down. All the way down. Then you hold it down. Nope. Nope. Eric, when was the last time you... I don't even drink wine. You, okay. He's going to break that cork off in that bottle. Is. <laughs> I gotta get that. We're gonna post this video on the on the Instagram here. <laughs> it's a terrible noise. Oh, okay, you did. I hate that I got it like right at the end after, so I won't be posting the video because I got I've it got right a at method to you, my wine bottle opening. You, you throw the wings all the way up, unlike the wing style opener. You throw the wings all the way up. You then twist it into the bottle. And then once you have it threaded about a little over halfway in, you drop the wings down and it pulls it right out. Yeah, but, or you can just... Look at how clean that is. You start with the wings down and you screw it in and then then the wings go up because that's how it functions. And then you press the wings back down and it pops open. Let's just say both work. (laughs) Anyways, uh, Degard Brewing. I'm sorry, Nate. I'm not going to argue with you yet. It's too early. I don't know if we're doing a double header yet. Maybe we'll get spicy for the Wally episode. Ooh, oh, did we mention we're talking Ratatouille? Yeah. So yeah. Anyways, I picked this beer from Degard Brewing, Tillamook, Oregon. I picked it because it's called the Bouveau, um, and that's a French name. And Ratatouille is a French movie. What is what does Bouveau mean? I don't know. What we'll does it mean, Mister Google up. Man? But uh, yeah, Degard Brewing is uh, one of very few breweries in the U.S. to use all spontaneous fermentation. If you don't know what it is, look it up. But uh, basically, that uh, situation in which a beer in a cool ship takes in uh, wild yeast from the air. 
And then uh, the beer is aged sometimes with fruit added in foders. Fodders. Foders. Foder. Um, and in 2016, DeGard won the award for the fifth best brewery in the world uh, from Rate Beer. They were also named the best brewer in Oregon. So, oh yeah, Buvo spelled B-U-V-E-A-U-X. Um, I'm pouring myself up a sample here. This beer is a spontaneous wild ale aged in oak barrels for two years. Mm-mm-mm. Why don't, you, why don't you top me off there? Be a pal, you know? Oh, this might be tough. You got that, you got them long arms. That's what we all call you, long arm. Mm, it's going to settle. That does look like a pretty crispy boy. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I'm excited to try this again. Had this on tap. It was delightful. The people there were very kind. Um... Yeah, and they just kind of laid it out there. This is what we do. We brew some pretty tart beers, some pretty funky beers. They acknowledge it's not for everyone, but that's kind of where their their niche is. Ooh, that's a weird one. I also flew all these beers back, so um, totally legal, but was a bit of an adventure flying. A bunch of rare corked and glass bottle beers in a soft-sided uh, check bag. But we got it done. Made it back. Ten beers for ten. Nothing broke. Nothing punctured. All still cold when I pulled them out of the suitcase. That's pretty exciting. It's pretty impressive. Yep. Because, uh, I, I mean, it's they pressurized the room, I'd imagine. Yes. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, uh, when I was flying back from Texas this last time... Um, we got stuck on the tarmac for like an hour. Mm, I remember just, this. Yeah, sitting sitting in that metal tube. And it was at that moment I learned that airplanes don't actually have air conditioning because they don't need it because when they get to a certain height, the air is already cold. So there's no reason to put that system in place. Mm. However, <laughs> when you're sitting in the Texas sun on a, a tarmac um the air is not cold Ooh, it's pretty hot <laughs> yeah we just uh it's like a sweat lodge in a Oof. tube with a bunch of strangers that were all pretty much hung over because that's i don't know whenever you get on a sunday flight it's like half the half the plane's hung over it's yeah. just kind of like that's science yeah especially those like later in the afternoon flights like the people that couldn't they knew that they couldn't make it out of bed early enough to get on a plane in the morning. Yeah, I don't know what's worse, being hungover on a flight or being very full with a pretty good buzz, because that's where I was at when I got Ooh. on. So uh, it was kind of one of those moments where it's like, in my head, I feel really good and kind of invincible and like impervious to pain. But also, <laughs> I feel like I could throw up if someone like poked me in the belly right now. <laughs> So please, nobody poke me in the belly. Like, n- pl- I really hope that was like my whole fear. I'm walking onto this plane. Like, please, no one try to Pillsbury Doughboy me right now. Like, I, I wouldn't like that normally, but like yep. if that happens now, I will puke on you. And uh, which I think is a fitting, uh, fitting punishment for a stranger Pillsbury Doughboying you. Me just throwing up yeah. on him. Yeah, I think that's that's. It would have been a great. Visual. I was gonna say you you learn quick. 
man. Could you imagine what a great way to start the flight? Get tickled by a stranger, puke on them, and just nonchalantly wipe my mouth and go take my seat. <laughs> I mean... That would have been a great way to end vacation. That, that would have been, like, a really, really top... Like, do they even let that person on the plane, then? Me or the person that I puked on? The person you puked on, because, like... I wouldn't want to sit next to that person. Ooh, you know what? I just realized there's a whole other level to this equation. Okay. Still mask mandate on domestic flights, so. Uh Uh-oh. I would have had to, like, pull a a, a double malicious move and, like, drop my mask and sling COVID puke at them (laughs) and then put my mask back up or just puke on myself. And then they'd be like is wrong with you like tickle me and then just just all over myself (laughs) and then walk dude it could have gone so differently yeah either way would have been very awkward and very funny yep i know salsa dave's probably listening to this and either loving it or hating it (laughs) because i know that dude loves uh he loves his puke jokes i once (laughs) spoiled a movie for him by telling him that somebody pukes in a funny way and he informed me that that was like the best part of the movie after he saw it and then I've was tried it, really hard not to spoil movies for him anymore. Was it not a good movie? No, it was a really good movie, but it was like was one it? of those things where <laughs> the one great puke joke meant so more, much more than like the overarching <laughs> plot. Maybe to both of us. I don't know. To him, for sure. I think. Sure. <laughs> what are we doing? I, I, learned, I don't know. I, we just kept going. I, I didn't expect it to go on this long. Uh, something that doesn't take taste like a uh, puke. Boom. Segway mm, is nice. uh, this Buvo. This one's throwing me for a big old loop. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need some more of that. Good thing you got a big old bottle of it. Uh, what do you say we dive into uh, into what the the people are here for? I mean, go for it. That's your job. That is true. Like that I said at the top of the hour, I'm just here to coast, dude. <laughs> I'm just waiting for Kings of Leon to come out and. Those guys were so mean backstage. Like, what am I doing here? Why are you in the green room? Who are you people? They still got time to change my mind. They come out here and play uh, Sex on Fire, and I'm back. I'm back. I don't know, man. I've never been a big Kings of Leon fan. Maybe we'll touch on that in the music section. Maybe Um, we touch on that on a show that they're not performing for us. Like I said, in the music section, after they perform. Tell you what, next week when we talk about Pixar's hit film from 2008, WALL-E, we'll also give you some hot takes on Kings of Leon. (laughs) Nate's Kings of Leon corner. Keep the people waiting. That's true. It's just like pro wrestling. You don't give away the best matches on free TV. You set them up on pay-per-view. That's true. You give away the the build-up matches. Yeah, this is... This is in wrestling what they'd call the go-home show tonight. So okay. we're going to set up the big angle. So like tonight's show will end with us in a stare-down with Kings of Leon. And then the next show, Wally will pick up with the first match being a video package highlighting our, our rivalry, our long-standing rivalry with, <laughs> with Kings, Kings of, of Leon. Leon. <laughs> I am your antith- antithesis. They are mine. Oh, dude, that's even more wrestling. We got We're villains. We're the villains? Have you heard their sound? No, no. They're the villains. We're villains. We're arch enemies, but we realize that we need, we can't take down Kings of Leon alone. That's true. But with our powers combined, when we put those those pint glasses together and tinks, we become <laughs> more powerful. More powerful than a, a butt rock band. Yeah, we change it from two kegs into one fermenter. <laughs> fermenter man. Anyway. 
Uh, Ratatouille. That's why we're here, right? That's what we're doing? Yeah. Uh, Ratatouille. <laughs> um, we start off uh, with our main character, Remy, like a freeze frame of him jumping out a window. Um, well, I mean, there's like a whole intro scene, but it's just kind of like sweeping. Yeah, they do like a little music intro, don't they? Um, I think the intro is a setup set up kind of like how the Incredibles is with like some stock footage and we kind of see the backstory of um, Chef Gusto. Ah, that's right. Chef Gusto, who is kind of, I mean, a weirdly main character for a guy who we find out is dead pretty early on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but he's a big popular French chef, owns this big restaurant in Paris. Um, do we have to call it Paris for the rest of the episode? You want to try? Don't. We don't. Which, before I let you go too much further, just to get the timeline right, because I don't know if it was ever explicitly said, but I kind of assume, like, Gusto probably passed in the 50s, maybe early 60s, and now here we're kind of, like, in that period 60, 70-ish. I never, I guess the timing never, I'm not, yeah, it was never really established what era we're in, I don't think. It still seemed like, you know, old economy car bicycles bunch of people smoking cigarettes and driving old mopeds like it seemed like definitely well before the turn of the century that france, could be. but i could be wrong yeah i don't know enough about france actually i i really don't like french culture never really does it for me but i really like this movie and i guess it's a weird thing to yeah uh, but anyway, yeah, so it sets up basically watching a bunch of TV clips of Gusto, um, like a little interview kind of thing, or not interview, like a documentary. Yep. Um, like a PBS special that they're airing on his life. Yep. Um, and then do a cut scene to our main character, Remy the Rat, jumping out of a window. Um, and then he kind of does like the whole this is how this crazy thing happened like here's the build-up my name's remy and you're probably wondering how i got here exactly it's like some my name is earl kind of shit yep um and we find out kind of get remy's backstory he's a rat that lives in a colony um but his whole thing is that he's got uh or very developed sense of taste and smell which doesn't work out well for a garbage eating animal yeah and also just kind of like a radical to his his group i think remy could maybe be compared a little bit to like flick where Mm -hmm. he's kind of in like this environment where it's uh you know all for one one for all kind of thing you don't stray from the pack and he's very much someone who is not so much the 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 blue collar working rat he's more of the artsy adventurous he's got an imagination and kind of this this um desire to do more which Mm -hmm. kind of fuels his full whole journey that we watch unfold yeah um and so he or kind of it kind of goes through um he's been going basically breaking in or they live on like this this cottage countryside kind of house um with his whole clan rat clan um and his job in the clan because of he's got this um he's got very good sense of smell and taste yes uh is to sniff out rat poison yes so he's testing all of the food making sure no rats get poisoned yep um 
and he hates that job. And uh, so he kind of goes off and has his own little secret life hobby thing where he's trying new recipes, scavenging for like good food that's been thrown away. Yeah. Um, and he's doing this all at this old French farmhouse where he's going in and invading it and trying all the spices and stuff like that. Yep. And then watching TV after the old lady falls asleep. Yep, he's got his full routine down. And it kind of goes awry one night when he decides to have some company come with and be on the lookout and kind of share this experience with them. And maybe he gets caught up stealing a little too much, watching a little too much TV, and the lady eventually wakes up. And starts just unloading shells. Big old shotgun shells in the house. Double barrel shotgun, just trying to shoot the rat, which, I don't know, like, that just seems a little excessive to me, but the, uh, it could be, uh, I don't know, maybe people are extra scared of rats. I know you're not a fan. I am not a fan of rats, um, but I do love this movie. Um, also, even worse, because it's pretty heavily implied that her eyesight is pretty compromised, and so she's kind of shaking her glasses back on as she's trying to aim down the barrel of this gun and decipher what's in front of her. And just at a certain point, she just starts blasting holes in her own ceiling. Yep. And that's kind of what, um, yeah, yeah. It's, that's like the first big, Oh shit moment in the film where she shoots a hole in her ceiling. It falls and reveals all the rats that have been living above her home. And they all scatter out to the, the life, yeah, the rafts, the lifeboats. The little lifeboats. Which is pretty funny, like, how far ahead these guys plan. Like, uh, Remy's dad is the leader of this, the rat pack. And, uh, yeah, he's got, I mean, he talks, like, Delta team, Alpha team. Like, they're all broken up into squadrons, and they're all running through this area. They've got an evacuation plan uh, to get to these lifeboats. Um, so they're all running through or trying to escape the house. Um, but Remy's a little late. Yep. Remy goes back for a book that's been sitting on this old lady's shelf uh, called Anyone Can Cook by Chef Gusto. Yes. Um, so he runs up, tries to get that book, uh, ends up escaping with the book. Uh, and the old lady is essentially just chasing all of these rats down. Uh, with rat poison, like a, a poison gas. She's got the big uh, gas mask on. Uh, kind of a weird, weird scene. She's she's out. For, it's no longer about getting the rats out of the house. She's coming for them. Yes. Yeah. Um, but they eventually escape. They get into like this pond, and then they go under a bridge and kind of into the sewer system. And which... that's where Remy's so far behind at this point that he's relying on this book as his life draft. Mm -hmm. And he ends up getting split up yep. from his group. So already set up as a very much standalone Pixar film. This is the first of the Ratatouilles. There has not been another Ratatouille, but it think, is also... I don't think there should be. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't set up. The, all the characters kind of went as far as you could take them. Yeah. You know? I agree. But I do think it's worth noting that we had some... Pretty big similarities to early Pixar films. I mean, just like I said, Remy and and Flick. Um, also, just the scene where he's sitting there sniffing the food, doing the sniff test, and you got this assembly line reminiscent of all the worker ants walking the the you know fruit to the leaf or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then also like 
this idea of family separation, kind of like Marlon and Nemo. Um, that's pretty early on, you know. Yeah. Getting separated in the water. Yeah, I mean they throw. I mean, which any good movie, kind of, or it clips along really good. It does. Um, I mean, a lot of these early Pixar movies were in the thick of it real early on. I mean, this is first twenty minutes of the movie, and I think Gratitude is about it's hour fifty. I think. Yeah, it's a it's a good length film. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. This is probably like the first. We probably talked as long as it would take to get to this point in the film. So yeah, pretty um, much. But yeah, after that, um... that's where. Oh yeah, so Remy um, separated from his family, kind of lost down in the sewers, and uh, the ghost of Chef Gusteau, who is basically just we we establish is a, an imaginary friend that Remy makes up in order to not be lonely. What a great guy! Just a constant optimist. Yep. Also voiced by Brad Garrett, which um, I think is hilarious. Um, I forgot how many Pixar films that dude was in. I always think of him as like Ray Romano's brother, but he is in so many films. Um, He plays the big beetle in um, Bugs Life. He's in he's in a number of films. Um, But yeah, super funny. Seeing him as like a big French chef is is very funny the character design for um gusto is hilarious i mean the silhouette of that character just looks like a pair with yep feet yeah with not little, even legs just feet yeah little stubs um yeah just a big goofy and like they even kind of reference it where it's like uh people who love food are just yeah big big people um it's like the saying goes you uh you never trust uh a skinny chef or a fat drug dealer. <laughs> and, uh, that is not my quote, but uh, but they're words to live by. Words to live by, I guess. Um, but anyway, so we yeah, Remy's kind of making his way up to the surface. Uh, we do get a little um, Pixar cameo um, as he's running through all of these different avenues, floorboards, sewers, whatnot. He first he stumbles upon this like French couple. That is me spilling beer on Nate. A little aggressive pour there, pal. <laughs> I was also reaching like six feet. Well, you got six foot arms. Use them. Um, yeah, there, actually, there's one really weird part in this. Um, he kind of like peers down through this hole into like this French couple's um, apartment. And he sees them arguing. And one of them pulls a gun on the other one. Knocks the gun like up in the air. It shoots a hole in the ceiling. And then they start making out. Like all, it's like a two-second scene. Yep, and it's super weird. I was like, okay. Um, and then turns a corner, and you see the silhouette of the dog from Up. Yes. Yep. Um, so yeah, just a quick cameo because there wasn't. I didn't notice many Pixar cameos throughout this movie. No, I'm sure. There's a few that I missed, but there always is. It does do a pretty good job as a standalone. Um, yeah, some. I, I didn't think of this movie as being super adult. I mean, maybe like mature in the sense that, you know, Cars was very much a flashy movie for kids, and this is a little more. The jokes are a little drier, a little more nuanced, based in like some European culture or mm-hmm. 70s cinema that not 
children wouldn't necessarily get. But I didn't remember it being a particularly like um, mature as far as like content, risque content. But like you talked about, we've got the pistol and the couple making out. And like right after that, Ratatouille goes from like the rafters of the building where he is, or Remy, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And uh, climbs to the roof of Gusto's, where he realizes that's Gusto's restaurant. And as he's climbing, he like goes up this window that is clearly a silhouette of like a topless woman just getting yep. dressed in front of a mirror. And I was just like, it was kind of like a bing, bing, bing. And I was like, whoa, like very quick scenes. But like, I'm yep. like 13 year old me totally missed this. Did not understand. Yeah. I mean, would have understood by that point, but also like. It's so quick. It goes by so quick. And now having seen this movie like five times, it's like, oh, yeah, this this movie's got a few adult jokes. It's just like maybe kind of like The Incredibles in the sense where it's like it goes by pretty quick. They don't hang on it. But like you get past it and you're like, oh, shit, that was that was a suicide joke. Yep. A suicide joke in a in a kid's movie. Correct. Tight. tight. Uh, yeah or the uh what was the one in cars the uh, colonoscopy in cars the colonoscopy yeah yep. the, the two cars flashing him at the very beginning it's just kind of like hmm. yep nice pixar got it keep it classy just remember it is adults making these movies they gotta make uh, jokes for themselves in there that's true um but yeah then we kind of get into this kitchen area uh remy's trying to like take some food because he's hungry and his inner voice gusto uh, basically accosts him for stealing food. Um, and that that is an important theme for the movie. Um, but he ends up not taking the food, runs out, and ends up seeing Gusto's restaurant. So he runs over there, and they're watching um, the kitchen. The kitchen's in full swing, so he's watching this gourmet kitchen. And then we get introduced to the other main character, Linguini. Uh, Linguini is just this doof. Um, his he's... first name is Alfredo. Pretty sure it's... It, they call him Linguini. I think his full name is Alfredo Linguini. I, I would could be wrong, that. But I'm, it is. It totally is. is it's it? Alfredo Linguini. Alfredo Linguini. Yep. Very good. Uh, not a cliche at all. Excellent. No. Um, so you see him. Um, he's getting hired as the mop boy or the garbage boy. Trash boy. Trash boy. Um, and he's cleaning the kitchen, it's his first day, and he is pretty clumsy, and accidentally knocks over the big pot of soup. Um, he quickly tries to fix it, doesn't work, uh, and Remy, watching from above, is freaking out because he's ruining this soup. Um, then there's kind of this whole scene, Remy falls down into the kitchen, he's trying to escape the kitchen, um finds a window and the window's right by the soup that Linguini has just ruined and um he proceeds to fix the soup yep uh which is kind of the start soup gets sent out um what or Linguini sees Remy working on the soup kind of freaks out catches him but trying to hide him the soup goes out um and all of the chefs are like, oh, Linguini made this. And that kind of starts this whole going from trash boy to chef. Um, Linguini then, or then the rest of the staff sees Remy in the kitchen. Remy, they send him out to 
kill Remy, um, but away from the kitchen so no one sees it and gets the restaurant shut down. Also worth mentioning, the reason that Linguini's kind of saved, I mean, um, the the head of the restaurant, the manager and head chef. Um, What's his name? Oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, is it Skinner? Short, angry man. I feel like it's Skinner. I could be wrong. Um, yeah, it is Skinner. He um, He's ready to just cut ties with Linguini, but the um, female chef that's kind of like the big dog in that kitchen kind of runs the place. Um, her name's Colette, and she's kind of the one that vouches for Linguini, kind of sticks her neck out and says, like, how can you fire him if he made the soup? Like, they're going to leave a review. People are going to want to come back and try food from the chef that made the soup you can't fire him what happened to um you know gusto's motto anyone can cook and that's kind of the line um that uh this whole movie is kind of based on is kind of the whole fact that anyone can cook mm-hmm. so it was kind of cool to see her step up and vouch for him um because she was kind of just at that point seen as like this silent ruler of the kitchen um, but that'll be important later on when she becomes much closer with, uh, Linguini. So, yeah. Um, so we, so Linguini's running, uh, or biking away to drop Remy into the river mm-hmm. in a jar, killing Remy. Um, and then kind of, they start communicating back and forth a little bit and they can't talk, but it's just like head nods and they devise this plan to, work together because Linguini for one doesn't want to cook but also doesn't know how and Remy does know how and Linguini doesn't want to lose his job right and if they find out he can't cook he'll lose his job so they form an unlikely duo um and then both both loners yep both both outcasts both uh coming from trash people yes you know yes um, and so they kind of, they start formulating this plan. Um, they come to the kitchen the next day mm-hmm. and Linguini is kind of struggling. Remy's like running around his body, like biting him, trying to get him, trying to control him, trying to make it look like he's not being controlled by a rat, but you know, whatever. Um, then... They kind of figure out the best system is for Remy to hide under the, was it a tut? I forget the proper name, but yeah, the, the, the chef's big, hat. Big, tall chef hat. And Remy's just pulling on his hair. And apparently, that that was like the one part of the movie. Like It's like, oh, this is weirdly involuntary. And then they stop addressing it. Like if Remy pulls up a little lock of hair on Linguini's head, his arm raises. Yep. So he's... Remy's essentially controlling Linguini as a puppet. Yeah. Yep. Um, and they end up recreating the soup. They get, so Linguini gets to work in the kitchen now. And then they start, there's like a little training montage of them learning how to work better together. And, and yeah, that's at yeah. like uh, Linguini's studio apartment. They're like making a series of things with Linguini blindfolded. And there's some funny kind of physical humor in that um yeah it's it's a nice little scene yeah um 
And then also, we cut- I, I thought it was funny how, like, in a few minutes, like, when Linguini gets called into, this is coming up, but a few minutes when he gets called into Skinner's office, Skinner asks him, like, if he'd like some wine. And he clearly says, no, I don't drink. But, like, in just, like, two scenes before that, there's a montage where he's, like, drinking wine in his apartment. And I'm kind of like, okay, like. Well, he, he took a sip of the wine and then poured the rest of the wine on his head. Not intentionally. Not intentionally. But, yes. I thought that was kind of like a weird little continuity thing. Or maybe he's just trying. Maybe he is a minor and he's trying to play it off. I don't know. It's Europe. I think you can drink when you're 18. And five. Pr- yeah, seven. Five. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, then we kind of just slowly build up. Um, so, Linguini and Remy are working in the kitchen. Um, and Remy's, um, Colette, the lady who had stuck her neck out for Linguini earlier on, um, is kind of in charge of training, um, Linguini. So then Remy's learning all of this stuff from her and start working together. It's just kind of a lot of another sort of training montage until, um, one of the, or they're in the kitchen and one of the customers in the restaurant asks for a linguine or what linguine's making, like a special. Um, then Skinner, who is kind of trying to sabotage linguine at this point, um, for a reason we find out, we might have already found it out in the movie. I don't know, I'm a little, little all over the place here. But um, quick side note, we've found out that Alfredo or Linguini is uh, Gusto's son and the rightful owner of the restaurant. Yes. And he doesn't know that. Linguini doesn't know that. The only person who knows that is Skinner. Right. Um, And Skinner doesn't want Linguini to take over because he's making a lot of money. And he's also in the process of doing this huge, um, basically expanding the Gusto name into like this giant frozen foods empire. Yeah, and but it actually had already been expanded because I thought the same thing, but like they were already selling like the burritos and like, yeah, using Gusto as like a face of a frozen food company. Yeah, putting them like on riceroni boxes and shit like that, basically. Yeah, but uh, yeah, also kind of important when that DNA test comes back, they find a bunch of rodent hair. Yes, which also makes Skinner extra skeptical he's the only person who has seen the rat at this point besides linguini and he's trying to prove to himself and everybody else that he's not crazy save his restaurant and sabotage linguini's name in the process yeah uh quick quick fun thing or thing i thought was funny during the um when they were talking about the will is in this will it's like the the sous chef takes over the, or if within like three years the uh, an heir doesn't come forward the sous chef takes over the restaurant which is just kind of like a funny thing to be in a will like what was gusto doing like it's like ah maybe i got kids out there i don't know if they want the restaurant they can have it otherwise it'll just go to this guy yeah but like he's just straight up in the will is like if some kid that I didn't know I had winds up walking through, sure, he can have it. Which is just kind of, yeah, a, a funny funny legal spot that he put him in. Chefs are players, man. That's gusto. I mean, when you cook that good, come on, man. It's like I feel like a little known thing in that world of culinary, which I have never been a chef. 
but I've worked in some kitchens. Never at very great high-end places, but we've got some friends that have dipped their toes and been successful in the culinary world. And it's kind of like chefs a lot of times will date a little out of their league. Male or or female or other. I mean, it's just kind of a common thing. If you, uh, you know, you can handle the pressure of a kitchen and also put out like a beautiful product, you know. It's, you know, a lot of times... Eric's dating 101. People have a good meal, man. It's it's an easy way to any human being's heart is is a a good, good uh, consumable, paired with a a delicious beverage, and so it's it's just something I've heard. Chefs do well in that department. All right. Uh, So maybe yeah, maybe that was another fun adult joke that uh, they slipped right in here. Maybe yeah. Um, But. Gusto was just throwing it around back in the 40s, dude. Classic Gusto. Which, yeah, so I mean, that kind of gives us an idea of the time period, right? Because if he's like doing these black and white movies, we can kind of p- figure out that's like pre-60s, right? Mm-hmm. And Linguini's maybe 20. Yeah. So we're probably no later than like 1975. Yeah, that's about ballpark. Okay. I guess I never thought of that. But yeah, you could figure out Linguini's age and that would basically Give put you, you at the time period. Sure. Um, but where were we with this? Um, um, yeah, Frozen well, Food Empire. Skinner's yeah. trying to sabotage Linguini. Oh yeah, he's trying to sabotage Linguini. So he gives them this recipe to make that he knows is terrible. Yep. Um, and so they start making it. He's working with Colette um, and Remy who's controlling linguine starts to take or change the recipe a little bit adding some different flavors yeah it was like a weird seaweed crusted bread with or seaweed crusted bread with like fish and a black licorice sauce like something that sounded terrible Mm -hmm. um so remy kind of just starts to make it his own fix the recipe and uh they end up fixing it it goes out everybody loves it um, and people start ordering more of it. And that's just kind of like the explosion to fame for yes. Linguini. Um, so they're working hard on that. And then uh, that's when Linguini gets called into Skinner's office after that day. Because Skinner is convinced that Linguini knows something. Uh, but Linguini's honestly just an idiot in the entire movie. He has no autonomy at all. The nope. movie happens at him. Even as he goes to like the press conference and, you know, he's kind of fielding these questions, you know, has his own like cooking line and he's yep. like still super just aloof to all this. He's now uh, uh, Colette's like his love interest at this point. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a weird scene where like Remy or Linguini's trying to tell Colette about the rat and <laughs> Remy stops him. And basically goes in for a kiss to shut, uh, yeah, makes makes Linguini go in for a kiss to shut him up about the rat. It's not me making this food. I have this little friend. Yeah. Like, just... And, like, she's, like, reaching into her bag. She pulls out some, like, pepper spray. It has mace, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so kind of this love interest. There's a lot of, like, dancing around. Um, eventually... We get to Remy outside, who um, runs into his brother, who he's kind of lost contact with because they all thought he was dead. 
um, gives his brothers some food. They go back and visit the rat colony. Um, and then his brother Emil starts bringing more and more rats to get food from the kitchen. And this is kind of where that don't steal food thing keeps coming back is Remy has to steal food from his own place of work. Um, and keeps it keeps being more and more rats every time they show up. Um, eventually, he's in the he needs to get a key from Skinner's office in order to unlock the kitchen, and he finds the will and all the information. And then there's this mad dash. Skinner sees the rat, um, and Remy escapes with the will and uh, the DNA test and everything. It's a chase scene. Remy gets away and gives the information to Linguini. So Linguini and Colette take over the restaurant and fire Skinner. Yep, the next um, day Skinner shows up and realizes he's out of a job. And Yep. Yeah, basically at this point we're kind of to that final dinner where they're running the restaurant, they're achieving some success, and it's the big night where Anton Ego yes, is the, coming into the restaurant. The Grim Eater. The Grim Eater. I loved that name. Me too. Yep. Um, but yeah, he's coming in and they're getting kind of slammed at dinner hour and, um, I forget what prompts oh. it, but. Well, they were, it was after the interviews, um, Remy got pissed because he wasn't getting any sort of credit for it. And Linguini was taking all the credit. He no shows. Yep. No show. Well, so then Lingu- or Remy brings all the rats to the kitchen the whole colony, and they're just kind of pillaging the whole place. And Linguini shows up and kicks Remy out. Yep. Um, Remy gets captured by Skinner, which isn't overly important. Um, but he goes back to Remy, sh- or Linguini comes into the restaurant trying to hype his staff up. It's not working. And also, he can't, or he's trying to play off that he doesn't know how to cook. Yep. It's like, I don't remember the recipes that I've been making. I don't know how to do this. Um, The staff starts to lose interest. Eventually, Remy shows back up, and Linguini admits to everybody that it's been Remy cooking the food. So all the chefs quit. Um, We almost think Colette's going to stay. Yep. But instead, she winds up to slap. Yep. Winds uh, up. Linguini and, and doesn't. And starts crying, runs off, and jumps on her motorcycle and drives away, which I thought was also fucking awesome. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty cool. Um, so then Remy and the whole rat colony get to work on making all the food. Uh, Linguini ends up being the server for all the tables, straps on them roller skates, and this is the first time he's doing anything of note throughout the whole movie. Yep. Um, and they end up making... The name of the movie, Ratatouille, for Anton Ego, the big food critic. Uh, He loves it and decides, or he says he wants to meet the chef that made it. They make him wait till this whole place is cleared out. They bring Remy out. They explain how everything worked. Um, Anton leaves them a great review, but then the restaurant gets shut down because a bunch of people saw a rat infestation, all the rats cooking all the food. Um, and then they end up opening up their own restaurant. Yeah, at the end of the movie, it's not. Uh, it's it's a pretty good finish. I don't think I really did it justice, but there's it's a pretty dense movie. 
Yeah, the thing that makes it for me is just seeing that Ego, even though despite Gusto's getting shut down, they've started this new restaurant where I think it's kind of implied that the public knows that rats are involved in this one. Like, Remy's got his own little station like that he can use to work behind in the kitchen almost. Yeah, I don't know if it's... Uh, it kind of seems like it's implied that... Uh that rats are involved but that's the whole reason gusto's got shut down i know but it seems like there's a weird loophole in the new one where it's like kind of part of their brand almost but either way like they're putting out good food and uh ego is still eating at this this new restaurant yep ego well ego's an investor yeah he invested in remy's new restaurant um yeah so pretty happy ending um, like I said, pretty pretty dense movie, um, but just fun throughout the whole time. Yeah, whole time. There's not really a slow scene in that movie. No. Very well done. Very well done. But uh, yeah, I think that takes us to the end of the plot of Ratatouille. Uh, we're just wrapping up drinking the Buvo, but we're going to take a quick little break and we will return with some fun facts and a review for this beverage so stay tuned let's keep bop 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 hello everybody and thank you for sticking with us i'm eric anderson and i'm gonna read you some bedtime stories hey i could use a bedtime story not but i do have some fun facts that i hope don't put you to sleep um but before we get to those one more cheers nate hey a little tink tink we're just wrapping up our samples of the buvo we split a big bottle but yep. uh we it, did it it we did it it was low in alcohol i know we could we're only drinking two beers on today's show but started off nice and light and nice and weird mm-hmm. nate mentioned to me off air this is one of the weirdest things I've ever drank. Yes. Dranked. Drank. Drank. Drunk. There's one of the weirdest things I've ever drunk. So that being said, I want to hear your thoughts on this. What are you giving it? Well, um, so one, one real weird thing with this is like, so it starts off with this awesome lemon flavor coming in. Um, really well done. Almost like, uh, one of those powdered lemon drops. Sure. Um, and then it gets real dry, like immediately following that. And so that it was like a weird, is that the end? You know, normally things finish dry. Mm-hmm. So you kind of expect that to be the end. And then the coriander and like sea salt comes back through. Like it kind of breaks back out on the tail end there, finishing with like a yeah weird spice to it. Um, like if you drink, I noticed if you drink quickly... Or not, yeah, if you drink a little faster, that dryness doesn't hit, and then you just kind of left with the lemon, the coriander, and the salt, um, which is kind of pleasant. But like a, a drink that, depending on the speed you're drinking it with, can taste like two very different beers. Yes. Which is very strange to me. Um, all around, love the low ABV, love the light body to it, like... It's one of those weird tart beers where you can actually have a decent amount of it without it being overkill. Yeah. Like, I'm not, 
you know, we, we, we split an entire 750 here and it's still like, I'm not burnt out on it. I'm not, like, I could do another. I think you asked for a refill once. Other than that, I just kept like reloading you once your glass got to where it was about right now. And we, I've noticed we both just like, we always drink out of five ounces for these episodes, but we drank a 750 between the two of us in five ounce increments and we just kept refilling each other up. Like it was pretty easy and also just like complex and weird where you kind of want to keep diving in for more, trying to like figure it out. Like this beer is kind of like a math problem where it's like, I'm seeing all these things and tasting all these things and I'm not sure how they're melding together. And I keep going in for another taste, trying to think that maybe I'll get it. Yep. And I'm still kind of left in the same place as you where I'm like, I got a blast of all these flavors and I don't know how they would meld together on paper, but they are. Yep. It's, it's working. It's just, but it's, it's very like almost layered off. Yeah. Like they don't, like you taste the lemon, then you get that dry, then the coriander, and then a little bit of salt right on the tail. Um, yeah, it's just a super weird drink, super weird beer here. Um, but again, it coming in at that 4.2 where it doesn't have a whole lot of body. 3.8. Or 3.8, I think. Is it? 3.9. 3.9. Yeah, it's just super easy to do. Um, I really enjoy this, but it, it isn't a beer I'd recommend to everyone. No. Um, it is definitely a weird style, um, and you kind of got to go into it not knowing a whole lot. Like, you you don't want to think this is going to be like something else you've had. Yep. Um, Which is about what you had. I showed you the label. I'm like, yep. this is really weird, and then we hit record. Yep, exactly. I had no information. That was definitely the best way to go at this yeah because if i was thinking of some other style or something trying to compare it to i probably wouldn't have liked it as much uh you're also an easy person to buy beer for yeah i'll drink pretty much anything and you'll give me honest feedback like i will sometimes you're the kind of person that i will buy a beer for i will go out and buy the same beer that i didn't necessarily like and be like what do you think of this and Mm -hmm. just say that and just give it to you you know what i mean yep I've got other friends that are a little late to the craft beer game and they're kind of the type where they don't like super hoppy stuff and they're kind of on this eternal quest for like the perfect lager, perfect pilsner. And I love that. Yep. I would not give this beer to them. No. They're not probably not going to like it. And even if they maybe do, they're not going to know why. I want to give this to someone who would appreciate a weird beer. Um, I got another one from these guys. It's a dry hopped Goza that they call a Hosa with azaka hops and like that's a beer i'm gonna drink with a brewer yeah because i just i want to know what they're tasting you know yeah um but this one i'm probably gonna put it at like a i'm gonna go four or five with this one damn i really did enjoy it again it's it's weird like rating a beer high but for sure saying it's definitely not gonna be everyone's cup of tea here um yeah it was just again it was like a weird little trying to figure it out at every sip and it took me, you know, half of a 750, and I still don't know if I fully understand it. Yeah. But yeah, four or five for me. Four or five, that's strong. Um, I really like it, obviously. Liked it enough to fly it back. Um, if you're ever out in Tillamook, there's a couple breweries out there. Pelican Brewing also has a location out there. No disrespect to Pelican, but if you have time to make it to one, 
and you're out there, go to DeGard. They've got a lot of real strange beers on tap. This definitely fits their profile. 4-7 from me. Um, I share a lot of the same sentiments towards this beer that you do. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's funky. Super tart up front. Mouth puckeringly tart, especially on the cheeks. Very lemony. Lemon rindy. Um, then, yeah, kind of super dry finish. I almost get a lot of the qualities you get from an oak Chardonnay. Um, just that that kind of slightly woody dryness with a touch of spice. Um, yeah, it's a weird one. I think this is a beer that maybe you pour this for a wine drinker, you know? Yeah, I think that would... Like, that's a weird thing with these ones, too, is there's a lot of, like, a lot of the overlap. I mean, right now, especially, yeah, in our industry, like, people will come in and they'll ask if we have any sours. And what that means to me more times than not is they want something that's not going to taste like beer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. But, like, you can get them on some definitely weirder styles. You can... Yeah, there's certain styles that I can sell these people on because I'm like, I know what you're trying to avoid so I can kind of guide you. And you're right, this one would be a pretty good one to pour for somebody who might not be a beer fan, but they're a big wine fan. Yeah, but also maybe wouldn't pour this for a sour fan just because it's not, like you said, I think a lot of people that order sours are maybe new to the craft beer scene. They've tried a lot of craft beers and they don't like it or they want something that's not going to taste like beer. Mm -hmm. This isn't a particularly fruity beer. No. It's just, it's different. Yeah. That's very weird. Check it out. DeGard Brewing, Tillamook, Oregon. Um, But yeah, moving along. We're going to crack into our next beer. Crack open the conversation. Heck yeah. Uh, This one is a very big departure from what we just did. Uh, this is King Cognac, uh, an 8.3 oatmeal stout aged on cognac-soaked French oak spirals. Um, this comes to us from Dot and Line Brewing Company out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, they're, they're friends of my, uh, my father's business, and uh, he talks very highly of them. I had to swing over there to grab something from him, and he tossed this in my lap. So I'm very excited to try this one out. Uh, Like I said, I think this is going to be a very big departure from what we just had. Um, Heck yeah. Shout out to Indiana, uh, Peyton Manning, and... uh, Peyton Manning. And Nate's dad. Yeah, well, you know. Also a big fan of their logo. Like, kind of reminds me of the disgruntled logo. Yeah. Um, But it's just a very subtle it's a d with a very subtle l just built right into the back end i like that uh, it took me a little bit to get um i don't know there's some logos that just, like the single one color logos you want to give me a rinse on that one or just add a little water to it if you got it i don't want i'm not trying to taste lemon in this bad boy unless there's lemon in there i guess but my lemon stout mm. that'd be super weird all right Ooh. Let me show you how to pour a beer, Eric. Look at that. Look at that perfect pour. Beautiful. Well, that's my art. I suffer for my art here. That's actually... 
Not as dark as I was expecting it to be. I was expecting basically a sludge. Cajun cognac. All right. I'm excited for this. Well, we'll we'll do a, an air cheers since we're a ways away here. Tink. Use them six-foot arms, boy. Catch these arms. Hmm. I'm going to let that marinate for a second and uh, read some fun facts. So, I misspoke a little bit on our last episode. Uh-huh. I said that the fun facts came to us courtesy of girlfriend of the show, Samantha. Mm-hmm. That was not true. Oh. I was just, did them when I was sleeping and forgot that I did the fun facts for Cars 3. Did you? <laughs> I did. So she did the fun facts for this one, and she went above and beyond. We've got a lot of them. Sources cited. Okay. So uh, shout out to Sam on this episode. I'll retract the shout out from last week because yep. I did the work there. We'll, we'll go back. We'll edit it out. Cut it out, yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, this week... Um, the facts come to us from a listener of the show. So, thank you, Sam. Um, fun facts, courtesy of BuzzFeed, IMDB, and Insider.com. So, starting off with number one, did you know fear, feared food critic Anton Ego, named The Grim Eater, has a typewriter that resembles a skull and an office that resembles a coffin? Kind of cool. Yeah. Also, a little fun fact he about Mystery. He's a very spooky character. He is. Yep. Um, not so spooky at the end, though. No. Nope. He um, has changed his appearance a little bit. Has also put on a little bit of a weight. Yes. Which was a, a, a subtle touch. Um, yeah, he was real skinny. His um, cheekbones and jawline were very sharp. And by the end of it, he's been eating good at uh, Linguini and Colette's new establishment. So, fun little fact there. <laughs> Did you know that Bomb Voyage from The Incredibles makes a brief appearance during the sequence where Linguini and Colette romantically skate around Paris? You did bring this up. Yep. Also, did you know that Remy is also chased off by a dog earlier in the film? That Shadow looks just like Doug from Up, yeah, which we, Nate mentioned. We did know. Yeah, I, I mentioned that, Eric. Just padding it Samantha. with some more details. Uh, did you know that Pet rats were kept in the studio at Pixar for over a year so animators could perfectly capture their movements from their fur to their noses, paws, ears, and tails. Uh, one thing I do kind of want to mention is, so at this point in the Pixar, like Pixar movies, we I'm not saying we've reached like the peak of animation, but we're definitely like the biggest noticeable changes movie to movie are pretty much done. Yes. Like... These look like they could have been released last week. Yep. Um, so, like, that's how kind of far ahead of their time that they were. It is true. Where, I mean, this movie came out 2008? Seven. It's 2007. So, we're at 14 years ago. And, like I said, I've, I actually tried to watch the new Space Jam movie. Spoiler alert, not good. It's pretty bad. I watched I, that on vacation one evening, and it was not good. And, like, I got no problem with, like puff pieces like you know cheesy whatever like I, I i and like a lot of people were also like oh and lebron sucks so i'm gonna hate this movie got no issues with lebron james me either and this movie was absolutely terrible i agree and i watched the whole thing and i i agree with you i'm also 
at the height of my basketball fandom for this season. It is NBA Finals time right now, if you're listening. A lot of you probably don't care. If you do, little little fist bump to you. Uh, I, I, I like the Wolves, okay? And the Wolves aren't doing very good. So when they're not doing good, I try to root for the team closest to us, which a lot of people are like, ah, why would you do that? But it's like, hey, man, if, if the Vikings are bad, I hope the Bears do okay. I hope the Lions do okay. Fuck the Packers. Fuck, but Fuck the Packers. The Bucks are doing great right now. They're on a tear. They've got two nice comeback wins, and now they're playing game six tonight. They're up 3-2 in the series. It's a big deal, and I still couldn't get interested in that Space Jam movie. Also, LeBron comes across as a not-so-great dad. Yep. Just, like, kind of your typical, like, sports dad, and, like, all those bad qualities just, like... Well, and I don't know. It also just... It felt like he was just... for Like... In the first Space Jam movie, I'm not saying Michael Jordan's a good actor, but he didn't play, like, there wasn't, like, more character to him. He was a basketball player, and so, like, and that was, he stayed right in that lane. He was Michael Jordan. Yeah. Like, he was golfing and playing baseball. Yeah. Yeah. He was just doing his normal shit, and they were just filming it. This was, like, LeBron trying to be, like, a character that's having changes of hearts and doing all this other stuff. I was like, no. Like, yeah. I don't... None of this tracks. When the Porky Pig rap happened, I, I quit. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was bad. Um, I mean, if you want to... If you're a masochist, go watch the movie, I guess. I don't know. Ratatouille, though. Great movie. Please continue. I just had to get it out. And I'm glad you did, because I... I will watch that movie again, probably this week, just because that's what I do. I'll give it two watches, but kind of have already erased it from my memory yep uh, did you know that the late anthony bourdain praised ratatouille for its perfect capturing of the love of food in cinema um, in an interview with entertainment weekly he said they show the food the reactions to the food and the tiny details of the food just really right and so that's kind of cool huh. god's blessing from the late great bourdain who also I hear has a documentary out now or coming out very soon that is very sad. But if that's your thing, if he's your guy, check it out. Legend. Um, Did you know this was the first Disney Pixar film produced? Oh, excuse me. (laughs) This was the first first Disney Pixar movie produced post-Disney buying Pixar for $7.4 billion. That's a chunk of change. That's a big chunk of change. They um, came out of the gate swinging. Yeah. That's what happens when you're a startup backed by uh, Steve Jobs money, I guess. <laughs> Did you know this was the first Pixar film not to be released on VHS? Oh, eh, I guess. Yeah, 2008 or Seven. 2007. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, did you also know that all sorts of details are key in this film. So after Remy bites Linguini's hand during the scenes where he's teaching him to cook, you can see the mark healing over time the next few days in the film. Similarly, you can see burn marks on Colette's wrist and forearms, which is a common injury uh, sustained by chefs in a kitchen. So small details like that, little cuts and abrasions to the skin. Kind of cool. Um... Did you know you may also notice that the chef's uniforms get dirtier as their shifts continue during the restaurant scenes? Just a, just a fun 
detail that is would be so much extra work yes like 90 percent of people i mean i'm i didn't notice but like it's one of those just dedication to the craft here now this might be actually we're gonna do this a little out of order i'm gonna read my favorite one last so second to last fun fact did you know the pizza planet truck also makes a brief cameo driving over the parisian bridge i did not notice it i did not notice that is there and finally my favorite are you ready i'm ready strapped in this is a um a fan theory but it has a little weight to it okay i've watched a couple clips i also went back and watched the scene for myself and i think it could go either way so i'm gonna side with the conspiracy theory fans out there for this one did you know that probably the most popular fan theory of this film is when Anton tastes Remy and Linguini's ratatouille and is transported back to his childhood home that reveals that Remy grew up in Anton's mother's house. So Anton's mother would be the old lady from the beginning of the film. And if you pay attention to the home at the start of the film and during Anton's flashback when he's a kid, you notice many similarities between the setup of the kitchen, the dining room, just the general decor of the film. The timeline could work out. Cause it's not saying that Remy was there when Anton was a kid necessarily. Sure. He's a rat. We gotta assume he's maybe three. Yeah. I don't know the, the timeline of rats, but it's not it's not overly long, but um maybe two. Juvenile rat. Yeah, juvenile rat. Um but that's an interesting layer if Anton did, in fact, grow up in that countryside home. So that takes us to the end of the fun facts, but just wanted to throw that last one out there. Uh, I, oh. I want to believe. Average lifespan of a pet rat is 18 to 36 months. All right. So let's assume Remy's like six months old. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, then there's brown rats two years. Huh. I mean, that's domesticated, so you gotta imagine they live longer. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Super weird. Nate, uh, with the rat facts. Gotta have rat facts. Actually, another fun fact, probably my favorite fun fact about this movie, is that during um, during quarantine lockdowns throughout the country, um, a bunch of people, a bunch of popular TikTokers got together or, you know, got together, but they started working trying to create a Ratatouille musical. Um, they they did because a lot of those or a lot of a lot of influencers tend to be in the arts fields. Um, they had like set designs, they had costume designs, they wrote full length songs for this movie. Like they went hog wild with this thing did it get released no no like it's it's for broadway so there's even like a broadway playbill oh like somebody that has designed broadway playbills designed one for this movie or for this play so Uh, they're not releasing it on tiktok they're just developing it's being developed by tiktokers yes i don't know i feel like it's probably lost quite a bit of steam since then um but i actually i'm kind of curious now TikTok Ratatouille. Um, honestly, some of the songs are pretty catchy. 
Well, tell you what, why don't you continue to look that up? And on the topic of music, why don't I talk a little bit about the music of Ratatouille? So, uh, Ratatouille is the second Pixar film not to be scored by Michael Giacchino after The Incredibles. It was also the second Pixar film not to be scored by Randy Newman or Thomas Newman, which is interesting. Um, wait. wait, 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 hang on here. It might have been a little misprint. Excuse me. Ratatouille is the second film to be scored by Michael Giacchino after The Incredibles. It was also the second Pixar film not to be scored by Randy Newman or Thomas Newman. So, Giacchino did get the job. I felt like I misspoke there, but maybe not. Um, in addition to the score, Giacchino wrote the main theme song, which was Le Festin, um, which is about Remy and his dream to be a chef. Uh, French artist Camille was hired to perform... Le Festin, after Giacchino listened to her music and realized that she was perfect for the song. As a result, the song is sung in French in all versions of the film. So kind of cool. We hear a lot about uh, regional changes when it comes to promotion or even soundtracks of Pixar films. But uh, this was French throughout all re uh, releases, which is kind of cool. Um, and our last music fact, we don't have a lot for this one. Um... The music for Ratatouille gave Giacchino his first Academy Award nomination for Best Original Score, as well as his first Grammy Award for Best Score, uh, Best Score Soundtrack Album. That sounds weird, but um, Giacchino returned to Pixar to score their 2009 blockbuster Up, so we will be talking about him in two episodes, I believe. Yep, we got one in between here. One in between. Um, but yeah. That brings us to an end for Ratatouille. Um, before we rate this film, what do you say we bring it back to the beer? Mm, I can do that. You want to top me off a little bit here? Yeah, well, I'm gonna top myself off, and then you can have the you can have the leftovers. Classic you know? Nate, just a <laughs> self-serving guy. The trash. <laughs> he's he's my garbage boy. Um, yeah, why don't you take on this one? You know, I got to do the uh, the wild ale. So this isn't quite as weird as the last one. Mm -mm. I really like this one. It's hot, but this is this stout is right up my alley. Not overly sweet, a little boozy. Um, when I say not overly sweet, I think part of that's a product of the cognac not coming through as much as I thought it would. Like I get the cognac right on the open. Um... But I, yeah, it kind of fades off into the booziness. Yeah, and basically, if I am getting anything from the cognac, it's all booze, no sweet. I'm not getting any of like that grape, those kind of brandy notes. Not really on the top. I get it right on the top. Maybe a little bit, but I would by no means characterize this as a sweet stout. I would say this no. is more rich. Um, not a dessert beer. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Um Man, this might be one of our our best episodes for beers. <laughs> um, it's not often I have a stout crack the four mark. It's not my go-to style of beer, but I do have an appreciation for them when done right, and this is done right, man. Um, I'm actually curious what French oak spirals are. Like, is that... What, 
don't know what a... So maybe spirals are instead of cubes. Like a lot of times they'll do like um like yeah, oak cubes or oak cubes yeah. that are, you know, soaked in yep. grapes or wines. I'm guessing if spirals is maybe a, a a type of wood or shape of wood. Yep, you're absolutely right. Just uh basically a high surface area cut from oak. You know, does it look like kind of like a little splinter? Uh, it looks like a big tube that's oh, cut really? into a spiral. Gotcha. But it is made from wood? Yep. Interesting. Yep. Uh, that. Oh. Huh. Yep. You were, you were right on the money. Cool. Just, Not what I was picturing. I was picturing more like, to, uh, to the people listening at home, the spiral Nate has pulled up almost looks like a wooden dowel with kind of like spirals cut into the side etched into it but it's very much still got that cylindrical shape i was picturing more like a curly fry almost oh yeah this is um kind of almost looks like a uh get shock absorber for your car yep yep which Just makes more real, sense real thick spring you'd still want to be able to pull it all out in one piece yeah huh. interesting uh i mean it makes a lot of sense because you're you're going for just straight surface area yeah for a quick age i kind of i don't know how long they aged it this is really good did i say four three or four four i didn't hear so you've got uh you got a second shot at it well then i'll go with the higher i'll give it a four four big fan would drink again yep easy one to recommend to someone especially the the dark beer drinkers in my life um dang I don't know what this says, but we, we do a lot of local beers here. Mm-hmm. Today, this might be our first episode. The only <laughs> beers we review are multiple states away. Yep. And they're both great. So, also, not knocking the Minnesota beer scene, but step your game up, guys. <laughs> when this is all said and done, I want to be able to say that Minnesota have the highest rated Suds Buds beers. Exactly. Well, I mean, we had hams. That's not Minnesota. I mean, oh. maybe it was at one time, but. All right, so for Wally, we're going to drink two bottles of Summit EPA. <laughs> Give it two scores. And, two separate scores. And Minnesota wins. Exactly. That seems fair to me. A phrase that is not said nearly often enough, and Minnesota wins. Exactly. But, uh, we need Minnesota wins. Yes. Uh, yeah, for this one, I, again, I mean, we did two stouts last week, right? Did we do two? Was we last the, week the one from Spiral? Yeah, we or no, it was Porter from Spiral Speedway. and Speedway Stout right. from Alesmith. So we've, yeah, we've had a lot more dark beers than I thought we were going to be drinking during these hot California days. Um, <laughs> hey man, it's a beach day, not a studio day. That's that's true. We should be that's down true. at Venice. Mm. We'll get there, kid. That's where we're going to record our last episode. It's like Nate's home away from home. He's a Muscle Beach legend. Oh, well, you know, you gotta you gotta give the people what they want. And what they want is Nate on Muscle Beach. It's true. I myself am more of a skater boy. I'm over there doing 50-50 noodles into the drop-down teardrop yeah. cement bucket. Teaching teaching Tony Hawk some, some stuff. I'm not quite that good, but no. well. could, I, I'm just being modest. I could probably teach him a thing or two. <laughs> um, but back to this beer. Yeah, very pleasantly surprised. Um I I do actually get a little bit of that, um, almost like a date or a, yeah, like a, a sweet berry right on the tip. Um, kind of falls in, get a little bit of that booziness that kind of runs it out. Um, 
and then just a nice clean finish um a lighter body than i was expecting which has kind of been my preference whenever i go to stouts yep um i just i don't need something that's going to weigh me down for the rest of the day and this will not um so yeah i'm gonna go i again didn't listen to what she said four, uh, for four. Your, oh shit um it's okay you can copy me i, I might it's actually copy you here um yeah when in doubt is... just copy my score if i go first and you know you're safe people don't really disagree with what i have to say that's true you are a, a taste maker um that's what everybody calls you long yeah. arm taste maker yeah i'm gonna go out yeah. on a limb and say that people listen to my recommendations 100 percent of the time when a, it comes to beer a six foot limb <laughs> yeah yeah for the people can't seeing can't like that can't watch this at home right now because we don't do video yeah uh, doing my my arm thing <laughs> that people at the brewery do because apparently i got weird arms you got weird arms thanks man. guys i didn't appreciate it i don't want to have to be the one to break it to you I feel but... like eric foreman now all self-conscious about my wrists i don't have small wrists my... <laughs> got a bunch of donnas at the brewery bunch of donnas. walk in and i just got five donnas just, what's up weird arms wiggly 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 <laughs> Fuck we do that every guys. time he walks. Every in. time, dude. This weird arm guy. <laughs> Damn, Jackie. It's okay. We're all friends. I can't control the arms. <laughs> Damn, Jackie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this right up there with you. Four four for me. Ooh, good score. Um, just you know, real nice, real clean. I don't know what black malt is, but I want it. The more I drink this, and sometimes I notice it with stouts, just like the more they warm up, some of those complex flavors kind of come to the surface more. They're mm. kind of, I like to drink my stouts probably closer to like 50 degrees. Um, I'm noticing a little bit of the sweetness, but I think you hit the nail right on the head. It is more of a uh, dark fruit sweet. Yep. Like you said, date or something like that versus like a cane sugar sweet. Mm-hmm. Um picking up on that a little bit like you said right on the front um still would not call this a sweet beer i would say it's like you said light in body pretty easy drinking little boozy on the backbone but yeah i mean it comes in 8.3 percent that's a big one um but yeah absolutely would recommend uh king cognac from dot and line brewing um got some fun can art uh we actually also snagged uh their flagship hazy nice so we got that in the fridge yet i will be drinking that tonight oh bet (laughs) bet pal well shout out to nate shout out to uh uh king not king crimson king uh, cognac king cognac from uh peyton manning brewing in indianapolis indiana (laughs) home of the indianapolis colts uh, yep. Lucas Oil Field, I think it still is called. Um, is that really what it's called? I think so. Mm-hmm. Used to be. Okay. It's probably changed like four times. Yeah. Whoever's paying the month, whoever's paying the rent that month. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Uh, what do you say we rate this? Uh, rate this? Or oh, we got a villain? We do have a villain. We do have a villain. We've got Chef Skinner. Um, Chef Skinner is gonna take my number five spot, I believe. Okay. Um, it's pretty high up there. Yeah, kind of up there in the same company with like Lotso and Hopper and um, 
probably pretty close to i think he's just one above um the the tentacle gentleman from uh monsters inc um hot tentacles the, the crab claws. dude the claw dude you think you think crabs got claw or tentacles Nate, get off you my watched Finding Dory. What, what's the guy's you name? Find- what's the guy's Mr. Waternoose. Mr. Waternoose. I think right above Waternoose. Okay. Um, I put him right below Waternoose. Uh, I think in that number seven spot. Um, I think. I mean, he's nefar. He, he's got some nefarious intentions, but it's only when like his whole thing, like he was already doing his thing perfectly within his rights, like. He was the sous chef. It was his restaurant. He can do whatever. And then this kid shows up, kind of takes the restaurant from him. Um, so, I mean, he was he was doing it like he wasn't, uh, in, yeah, until Linguini showed up and he figured out that he was uh, Gusto's son. He really wasn't doing anything. He's just kind of, he's a, kind of a heel, but like. I don't know. I didn't think he was that evil. Waternoose, for me, he was... I mean, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. He was actively, you know, stealing, kidnapping children and whatnot. That's true. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe the thing for Skinner that puts him higher up for me is the fact that he is a human. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, his intentions are not as bad as someone like an Evelyn from The Incredibles 2. Yeah. I think the thing for me is, like, I kind of wish they would have shown a little flashback to see what him and Gusto's relationship was like, or if they even had one. Yep. Um, maybe he was, like, the trash boy for Gusto, and that kind of has some of this angst or something like that. Because it seems like he has really no care or regard for Gusto's reputation at this point. He's yeah. making money off of him as a frozen food character in, like, a sombrero or whatever the... the regional frozen dishes you know what i mean Mm -hmm. just kind of dressing them up as a mascot and um that to me is like this guy's kind of shallow he's about it for the money um yeah not not a great dude but there's also been much worse villains yes so sir mm. axelrod sir axelrod damn it like i said that dude was straight up killing celebrities on television he's a menacing little hot wheel i tell you what (laughs) i tell you what to what mater Hey. Uh, hey. Yeah, so number four or number five and number seven on our villain list. And now for the, the final ranking. Final ranking. Um I think this one's coming in at my number two spot. Is that behind Toy Story? Right behind Toy Story. I thought it was gonna beat Toy Story out. Um I think that I think neck and neck for people that had never seen either ratatouille might win but i I legitimately can't get over the nostalgia of toy story one um which is yeah not exactly a fair thing but if it came down to that you know toy story still takes it but ratatouille is just it's a fantastic movie um so pretty it's so pretty it's not a slow scene in the whole thing um yeah you're just kind of hooked the whole time Every scene has purpose. Yeah, it's paced nice, but it's very dense, but it's still like it goes along in a decent clip. Um, Number two, huh? Mm hmm. This is a big episode, guys, because this is taking my number one spot. Woo! Surpassing 
Toy Story, which mm-hmm. is at was it two? And what was your number one? The Incredibles. Oh. So right now it's looking like for me Ratatouille at number one, Incredibles at number two, and Toy Story at number three. This movie is just beautiful. Um, I don't think it's as synonymous with Pixar as something like a Toy Story is. Mm-hmm. If you go to Disney World and there's a Pixar exhibit, I wouldn't think Remy would be the front of it. No. But I do think just rating this as just a film, it, it it's phenomenal. It's a great animated movie. It holds up well. I will watch it many more times. Um, and it plays well with any company. I mean, if you're babysitting a kid, throw on Ratatouille and they'll love it. If you're hanging out with some old college friends, throw on Ratatouille. You'll love it. If we're doing a podcast and drinking beer, we'll throw on Ratatouille and we'll love it. It's kind of wish we would have had Ratatouille playing in the background, but yeah. like also I would have been very distracted. I would have too, because it's a great movie and it sounds great. The soundtrack is great. The casting is great. You got uh, uh, Brad Garrett um, as Gusto. You've got uh, Patton Oswalt as Remy. You've got... Uh, Janine Garofalo as um, Colette. It's it's solid through and through. Um, this is a great Pixar film. Uh, it means a lot to me. And yeah, I, I love this movie. Well, you heard it here. We got high ratings across the board on everything but the villain. It's going to be a tough one to top, man. Mm-hmm. Um trying to think you got anything else on this one i think that's pretty much a wrap for me i feel like i should have something prolific to say about this being that it's taken my one spot but sometimes when it it feels right it's just right that's that's gonna be your okay boo boo yes one last thing the message of this film pretty on the nose there's two of them and they spell it out multiple times you know basically don't steal and anyone can cook and I think these are great messages for any kid or adult. I think even though they spelled it out, I think they did a great job of calling back to it and making sure that it played into the over um, arcing story of this film. Um, But yeah, anyone can cook. Do not steal. Don't steal shit. (laughs) Wise words from Pixar relayed to you by the Sudspuds. Stealing is a 21 plus beverage. I didn't steal it from them. I borrowed it from them. Okay. Got him. Got him. All right. We're 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 going to put a bow on this episode. It's been fun chatting about Ratatouille. We hope you all enjoyed it. Um, if you want to engage with us, feel free to reach out on Instagram. That's SudsBudsPod, S-U-D-Z-B-U-D-Z-P-O-D, on the old IG, or SudsBudsPod at gmail.com reach out beer recommendations uh corrections it's all welcome we're here uh in the meantime we're gonna we're gonna hit the end record button and we will catch you uh next week with wow that's the first and last time you're gonna do that (laughs) take it easy everybody and uh yeah pixar responsibly can I get a Wii U? Wii U! Les rêves des amoureux sont comme le bon vin. 